Hello there. Well, you're lucky enough to be listening to the Young, Dumb and Broke podcast. This is the show where my co-host and I discuss everything we didn't learn in school about life and about business. I'm Josh Gaventa, a social media marketer, and my co-host is Shimmy Morris, an entrepreneur and YouTuber. Now, in this episode, Shimmy and I walk through and talk through and go through our mental health journeys. We discuss depression, anxiety, as well as the general area of mental health. If you're affected by anything we talk about here, then check out the podcast notes and the description for links to various mental health organizations who might be able to help. And so, let's get into this episode of the Young, Dumb and Broke podcast. Welcome to another episode of Young, Dumb and Broke podcast where i myself josh gaventa and my good friend shimmy morris talk about all things to do with life business and pleasure that we didn't learn in school and what we've learned out of school and all of those sorts of things this well, is fun topic absolutely so today we are talking about mental health but before we do i want to just quickly introduce ourselves and a bit about our context so, Shimmy, guess what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> what do I do for a living? What do you do for a living? I'm just going to keep it easy. I'm a YouTuber that has an Amazon business. There you go. What do you do for a living? Brilliant. Shimmy is a YouTuber with an Amazon business. And I work in social media marketing. My In real life, my job title just changed. Go on. And by the time this is out, it will be that. So, that's quite exciting to social media strategist, Ooh. which is a great title. Promotion. I actually looked up, um, there's a website that will give you job titles and they have like traditional, modern, and then like ultra modern. So social media strategist was in the modern and like ultra modern were like social sensei, <laughs> social media ninja. I was like, oh, I want to be one of those. <laughs> so, and I also teach privately, tutoring, etc. cetera. Um, I was a youth worker for a while and that's what I've done most of my life. Um, and I... Endeavour to be an entrepreneur in the nice. future, but we'll get there. So we're talking mental health um, in a podcast series, a podcast about, which has a sort of more of an emphasis on business and finance and entrepreneurship, but leads into other areas of life. Yeah. Why, why are we talking about mental health? Well, I mean, it's very important to mention as well. This is just business and all those topics. It's more just subjects we should have learned in school and been educated in school and one thing that is massively avoided in school is mental health more than anything else. Um, so both of us having experience, we felt like we should really address this. But as you were going to say, neither of us are health professionals here. <laughs> um, so yeah. So yeah. So the first important thing to say is that neither of us are, are health or medical professionals or experts. We've both had our, our experiences with mental health, which we're going to talk about. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is I think a really interesting thing that has happened in the last decade um, well from since we were teenagers, we're both 25 for context, is how much more mental health is talked about in school and outside of school. Like it's it's cr it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. To the extent where some kids I might work with would be like, Ugh, we had another assembly about mental health. And it's like it was almost become a meme in and of itself. Um, but when we were there, nada, nothing. Literally. Nothing. Did you ever hear the word mental health once in school? I don't think it was. I don't think those two words were a thing. 
Like you, they, no one said them. No. Do Do you know of friends who had therapy? I don't know a single friend. I mean, I'm sure there were. Yeah, no, I know for a fact that there were, but I didn't know at the time. Oh no, I I don't know any friends that had therapy in in high school. I'd be interested to hear from younger listeners if they if they if if they do have therapy or they go to therapy. Does everybody know about it? Is do it people openly talk thing? about it? But the one thing I've noticed in America, it's very different actually. In America, going to therapy and talking about therapy is a much more open topic and has been for a very long time. It's been in the media a lot as well. Um, in America, I mean, like on TV, like therapist was always a thing. Yeah, here it's very different. But then our English and <laughs> our British ways to be very dry <laughs> and very, you know, sarcastic and reserved and. We don't talk about therapy. <laughs> no. So listen, a massively positive thing that's happened in the last decade has been the prevalence of discussions around mental health. And not just that, but... And this is sort of bringing to why we want to talk about it as well as to men, is I was going through some things for ages and ages and ages before I had a name for them, before I knew what it was. And it was literally watching videos of... um Ricky Hatton, the boxer, he wasn't a boxer at the time. He had finished, he retired. And Freddie Flintoff, cricketer, both on a documentary, I think it was, talking about mental health and how much they struggled with it. And it blew my mind. I would have been probably 21. So it's, it's only four years ago, right? Gosh. And it blew, I was like, oh, well, if Freddie Flintoff and Ricky Hatton were struggling, it's not a problem that I am. It was just like broke the whole thing for me that as a man, I couldn't struggle because uh, like two people I admired so much just openly admitted it. I was like, oh, I don't think Ricky Hatton's a wimp. Well, I mean, that's one thing as well. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, your level of wealth, your level of fame, nothing. Everyone can struggle with mental health, no matter, literally, no matter who you are. Yeah. Uh, and, it, it. and it took them talking about it for me to realize that I could. And then I did. And that was the step one of many to get me to where I am today, which is thankfully in a much better place. Um, the other reasons for talking about mental health as men is about how it affects us. Three times as many men die from suicide as women. Men aged between 40 and 49 have the highest rates of suicide. Only 35%, so about a third of ref NHS referrals for therapy are for men. Um, a third of men would be embarrassed to take time off work for mental health. Of Over a third of men would be worried about their boss thinking negatively of them if they did so. That's nowadays as well, right? Yeah, this is now, yeah, 2020. Um, and over a third of men wait two years or more to disclose <laughs> mental health to a close friend or loved one. Overall, men are less likely to recognize the early warning signs, less likely and slower to seek support, more likely to use drugs or alcohol to help, or what they think is helping, and more likely to die from suicide. This is not a male thing. It's not exclusive to men. You know, women have as many mental health problems as men do, just slightly different ones. But this is a, is massive, talk about it. it's a massive male problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the problems yeah. is the lack of talking. So, should we jump in? Sure. I mean, I just want to say, funnily enough, the lack of talking is, I think, where most of mental health stems. If everyone talked about it, there would be a lot less of it, I think. The hardest thing is bottling it up inside and then, you know, kind of blowing up from the inside in your mind and all of these thoughts. Just telling someone else these thoughts, they'll be like, don't have to think like that. Yeah. I mean, there's all of these phrases and words that come out now, like well-being and 
mental well-being and self-care you know <laughs> when we were younger imagine if like bunking off school for a day to have a day just chilling could have been considered self-care <laughs> like i feel like teenagers have it tough enough and i think it's amazing that we start to think of things like that as self-care now i'm sure most schools don't just allow you to take a day off because you need a day for self-care because it, it would be abused maybe but i don't know who would it be abused by people who need it probably but it can also be abused by people who don't need it and want a day off that's the issue that's a separate issue, but it's connected to some of the stuff we talk about. If people just want to do that, then there's a problem with the school, not them. But, like, because you would have used it, right? At school. If they said, oh, you can take 10 days a year off for self-care, would you have done it? Um, I don't know. My my anxiety and mental issues were very different to yours, I think. Mine didn't really stem from school. No, I, I know. I'm just saying, imagine just to, to go and do your business stuff. Oh would yeah, I, I would. It? I would have. I would have loved it, but like, <laughs> I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have actively thought ten years ago. I need to take a day off and you know just think, self reflect, and these kind of things because I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know it's what people did. I just didn't know it existed that people just took time for them to themselves and like thought, meditated in a way, or like, even just chilled out and took a day off out of the world and stress and all of that. So if it if it didn't come from school. Um, where did it come from your your anxiety as you call it anxiety so you know let's well yeah i mean in. that was a topic i really wanted to to address and ask you as well is do you think there is a difference between anxiety and depression in a way i don't want to say mental health but just like, like actual depression and actual anxiety so i don't know it depends like how did you, when you were feeling anxious what were you feeling so for me my anxiety started when i was really young like six maybe even younger oh. and it stemmed off not being able to leave home right kind of like a homesickness in a way and back then when i was in school it would be treated as oh you get a homesick that's funny yeah. right and it would be like you get you're the kid that gets picked on because you get homesick but like it had nothing to do with being homesick like there's, there's nothing there's none of this physically sick feeling when you're leaving home it it's it's different it's like so for me right started at a really young age the first time it ever happened is when i went to my first camp um mum dropped me off and i was like fuck this <laughs> i don't <laughs> like it i don't like it make it stop i was like yeah i was like i'm out and my mum's like what's, what's the matter what's the matter i was like I'm, I'm out i'm out i'm not doing this um and i left it after like an hour and funnily enough i mean it's not just for me um i want to say all of my siblings but maybe one suffered very very similar kind of things um but anyway so yeah it went on and on um but it got to a point when whenever like i couldn't really be away um i never like slept out or anything like that but then in a way you could say that's just homesickness right mm. um but i think it, it the, the homesickness in a way sort of stemmed from thoughts that i would have um which was if i'm away all of these things could happen that i won't know about and that's kind of like what led into this pit of just me overthinking so for example right when i would go away in my head when i'm lying down thinking what if you know my parent fall down the stairs and they die or my brother you know gets hit by a car like, things i would have no control over even if i was there mm. but it's just not knowing about it and having that constant fear that you know and my fear was generally people around me just dying it sounds really weird but um but that led to I don't know, that led to like in my head me being like, 
I can't do this. I need to always be aware of what's going on. And that's one of the reasons you could probably notice about me is that I always like to know what is going on. I always like to be involved in everything, everyone's business. I am literally there. Um, <laughs> As an example, if you are shimmy, can you just send me this person's number? What's the first thing you ask back? Other than you give it, people are like, why? What yeah. do you want it for? What do you want it for? <laughs> I want to know your business. <laughs> like, tell me. But if people get so annoyed by it, friends get so annoyed by it, like, it, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to know. I've gotten better. I have gotten better. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, but that led to, okay, so that was a very small scale, you know, not being able to sleep out. But that, that led to much bigger things in the sense that I, the idea of getting lost in one's thoughts and leading to all these things. So the whole death thing was one thing, but then it led to other things like being alone, um, being alone forever, you know, like never finding anyone, getting married, settling down, literally having to be dependent on family and parents your entire life. How old were you when you were feeling these things? This was from like literally high school, like 11 to, mm. to I don't even know how old. I kind of still have it sometimes, interesting enough, and I'll, I'll talk about it later. But um, but then, so those kind of things lead to all these other things that people think about, like, is that person talk to, talking about me behind my back in a bad way? And most people don't give a shit what anyone else says about you behind, whatever, right? Yeah. But when you have, like, smaller issues and you blow those up, everything you blow up in your head, and when you're blowing everything up in your head, it just become very, very sad. And, um, and it's hard to talk to someone about it, especially if one of the things making you feel that way is, can I trust that person? They're probably talking about me behind my back. I'm not going to then disclose all these other feelings to them. So that yeah. was, that's quite, because everyone says, you know, talk to someone about it. One of my biggest fears is if I talk to someone about it, they're going to say to me, like, I don't know, that's a thing because... Yeah. Like if you're, if you're worried about what people think of you, the last thing you're going to do is tell them things that you perceive about yourself to be bad. Right, and tell them I'm worried about what they're thinking about me. Because yeah. obviously they're gonna say, "Oh, of course I'm not. Well, I'm, of course I'm not uh, talking about you." But in my head, I'm gonna be like, well, "That's BS." Yeah, it wouldn't even matter what they said. Someone could say, "Literally, Shimmy, I have never spoken about you. I don't think about you outside of." But then that I'm could be you. bad as well because right, then you're like, yeah. "Well, no one gives a shit about me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's one of the most pervasive and most difficult things about a generalized social anxiety is it doesn't really matter what anyone says. You still feel it. Yeah. Like someone could say, listen, I love you. You're my best friend. And maybe for me sometimes, like I had really close friends who I could always rely on. But I also had people that I was friendly with and didn't feel like I could or felt like they were only friends with me for this reason or that reason. Or I wasn't really their friend. I was just kind of near them a lot. Yeah. Which I think is also like a... It's a fairly common thing, I think, for teenagers to go through quite a social anxiety stage of life. But I think for some people it can get really quite bad. Uh, is there a difference between anxiety and depression? I mean, yes, I think clinically they're two different things. Same. I just think one, if one isn't treated, it starts with anxiety, I think. And if it's if it keeps going, it's not ever talked about or treated, it can lead to depression. So that's kind of like when I, when I was probably late teens, when i was obviously feeling way more depressed like not wanting to see anyone and i was really i was i was massively into socializing i wasn't ever like socially awkward mm. I, I i like socializing but it led to me like not wanting to see anyone kind of similar to like what you had not wanting to get up not wanting to doing not wanting to exercise not just eating unhealthy do, doing like being really 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 like in a way lazy mm. um and um just constantly upset constantly 
um and and yeah i mean it's like oh, the the mad thing is right we're both about to talk about these quite bad parts of our lives that we both knew each other at the time we were friendly we weren't like great friends we were good friends or friendly or friends i never knew that no ever and no. you're not going to know most of the stuff that i'm going to say yeah exactly it's, it's crazy. crazy no one knew it. and to be honest this 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 is how real it kind of is how we no one spoke about it there was you remember the poland trip yeah so for me that would have i never went on any school trips as you probably remember so for me to go on the poland trip right would be facing you know at the time a really big fear but not just facing the fear but then being surrounded by my fear which is death <laughs> and destruction and yeah. all these things and um we have a mutual friend who's uh well let's put it this way he's very forceful and outspoken um he's been studying for forever now abroad and um so this trip to Poland, I was like, I'm, I'm not going. Like, And he's like, this is a really big deal. You've got to come. You've got to come. He was pushing me for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I remember, and it's the first time it's ever happened in my entire life. And um, we were just walking home one day from school. And he, again, we, we had another like an hour long debate. And I literally just broke down in front of him. Right, I completely broke down, burst out crying, everything. And he was in such shock. He didn't know what to say or do. He's like, kind of said that awkwardly. He's like, what's happening right now? What, what, what are you doing i was like because i never told him why i wasn't going i just said i'm not really into it i don't i don't, I don't really want to and then i just broke down and told him everything and he just stood there and he was just he took it all in and i can be honest with you it was awkward for a couple of days it was quite awkward and i thought our friendship was over and he was my best friend at the time i honestly mm. thought our friendship was over at point because i just i just opened up like that and 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 I thought, okay, what have I done? It's going to be so awkward now. He's going to talk about me, all of these kind of things. Um, after a couple of weeks, then we kind of went back to normal. And the fact that he knew it, he really understood it. And it was nice. Um, but it took me, you know, weeks and weeks of him hounding me about going for this to happen. When in actual fact, I should have just told him from the beginning. Mm. And I wouldn't have broken down or anything. It would have just been a conversation. Um, I mean, I don't know if that happened to you at any point, but not with a friend. No, I think mine was mine was a slow, slow burner and then a big crash, like right. a big one. So how old were you when when you know? So when it, listen, I had a really bad incident, which enough people who know me, who might be listening, will know about, which I don't want to go into. It's essentially an incident I had with a teacher at school, right? Um, which, being generous. It was like quite bad bullying from a teacher to a student. It was very, very unpleasant. Um, and that's when I had extreme anxiety. Like I, I couldn't move. I felt sick all the time for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I didn't go to school, didn't do anything, couldn't talk to one, didn't come out my room, nothing. I, it kind of eventually, I did start to see the school therapist. And this is part there was one a therapist of, in the school. Part one of rubbish therapists at school. He said the first thing he said. Listen, I had a I had a massive bust up with one of the senior teachers at the school, like a, not a physical one, of it, but sort of a bit physical from him. He never hit me. He just was physically quite aggressive. Yeah. Um, the first thing he said to me was, "Listen, my my role here is as peacemaker. I want to make peace between the two of you." And I remember thinking at the time. What the fuck are you on about? Are you mad? This guy is an asshole. This teacher's a horrible person, and you're trying to tell me 
the victim that somehow we got to make peace. But I was a kid. I was a teenager. I was 16. I was like, oh, okay. So eventually, oh, like, no. like we had, I had to, the resolution, by the way, at the school was that I would write a letter of apology to the teacher what and for? the teacher would let me come back to the school. What are you writing a letter of apology <laughs> for? Listen, I don't want to jump too into it because... That's going to be... Uh, that is going to be bad. <laughs> That's going to be so much worse for your mental health in that sense. It was, it was terrible. It was awful because it was then my responsibility to get over it. You had to be the adult, basically. Yeah. So I did. Listen, I, I did and I did sick form and it was fine. I got my A-levels and whatnot. But that was really the start of it. And then we went to live abroad. Lots of us did um, for a year yeah. in Israel to study. And that's when it kind of fell off a cliff a bit. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. Oh, mate. <laughs> so I went to... I don't want to explain too much because it's quite difficult. Like, it's something called the yeshiva. You spend, like, 12 hours a day studying. It's quite intense, and it's all about um, intellectual... Religious studies. Religious studies. But it's. I went to a fairly good one. Like, they and others, like, refer to it as like the Cambridge of yeshivas. Like, it's, it's prestigious enough. Um... And I was really excited. My brothers went. I was ready for it. It was right on my street. But after about two months of it, I just started to not be able to cope. So I missed a couple of things. Then I felt bad about missing them. So I missed a few more. And then people asked me, like, what happened? And I was like, oh, shit. And then it just, just everything spiraled. Everyone was asking me, like, what's wrong with me? And the answer was a lot, but I didn't know that. <laughs> so I was just like, it went worse and worse and worse and worse. In the end, I just didn't get up in the morning. And then obviously, because I wasn't tired, I didn't go to sleep until really late. So I would just sit in my room most of the day watching like films and stuff, um, which is really lonely, right? Right, for sure. And then about between one and three in the morning, I'd walk around outside, go to the vending machine, get a drink. And that was my life for probably about four months. Really? Which is mad when you think about it. Now, listen, I did see people. I did communicate. I did go to dinner sometimes. Like, it's a fairly communal experience. But... Did any of the kids who went with you from this country know? They knew that I was not doing stuff, but it was more of a joke between us that I was a bit lazy. And... Right. I mean, I started it. They didn't go, oh, that lazy shit. It was me. It was my way of, like, protecting myself, I guess. Um... (laughs) And then the yeshiva, the, the institution itself said, we think you should start talking to someone. We've got someone. Which did help, and it got me out of a bit of a slump. Um, and then I started working. I was going to say, because you did another year. I did another year, but I was working, which gave me a huge incentive. And it was interesting. It was young men with special needs, and it was intense. And it was stressful in a totally different way. So it was still hyper-stress. But it was like, you can't lie in bed when you're responsible. And not just that, but when you're responsible for people with special need, it kind of kind of makes you realize, I'm not the only one that has these inner issues. Other people have it as well. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I felt, I felt like a kindred something with a lot of them. <laughs> That's nice. Um, and, and I feel like that sort of level of sensitivity is part of why I enjoy teaching and things like that. Um, so yeah, and then it was when I got back, I started uni and the whole thing started again. I was going to say, yeah, because I only know about it from university. I didn't know anything. Yeah. I knew in high school for like a bit and then I jumped years ahead and thought university. Yeah, so it was at uni where it got really bad. Like I was, I'm saying it was a slow burner 
for years and years and years from 16 till 21 when I started university and that was purely a case of again like I was really excited to do this thing but then I just couldn't bring myself to go and like the social anxiety of meeting all these new people who were younger than me but I felt like they had their lives together they knew what they were doing I felt like such an idiot compared to them and all of these things um and that's when it properly went bad like bad um no I wasn't happy <laughs> I can see <laughs> I wasn't happy. It wasn't a good place to be in. And but have you ever come to terms and, and realized what the reason for that was? Because it's not still high school. It's now escalated and it's like kind of molded into something else in a way. I mean, I've had enough good therapy now over the last year or two to kind of unravel some of it. But a lot of it came from uh, expectations that I have of myself and not meeting them and then panicking when that doesn't happen. And also the the thing that I'm not meeting is a nonsense expectation right? <laughs> that I've invented out of nowhere. And then not being happy about myself and not achieving them is just silly. It's unrealistic goals. You're not reaching in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, so even while I was at uni, I was working. And like missing work used to upset me because I was working with younger kids with special needs and you know, the, my colleagues would say, listen, it's really not great for him when you miss because we all have to cover for it and he likes you and you're one of the reasons why he's succeeding. So when you miss a day... Yeah, it really affects him. Yeah, and that killed me even more. <laughs> that made it even worse. But it kind of can also give you motivation that someone cares enough about you that they want you over someone else. Yeah, it it was one of those things that I was either extremely motivated, but uh, the depression d didn't stop it just kept kept sort of knocking on the door and eventually it, it won um and i just stopped going to work for four days now my phone's blowing up emails phone calls texts because you can't just not turn up to work that's mental yeah um and then pile on all the guilt from that it's horrible horrible oh, and in the end like i just said listen i'm not well um i need and I got a doctor's note and then that was what happened. Right. So I got like, I think I got a w an, an extra week and it didn't get better in that week. So I went back for a bit and then I took more time off and then it was the end of the year. So I had the summer. So they said, listen, we really want you to stay, but so sort of get better over the summer and see how you feel. And I felt, <laughs> I was like, this is really dumb of me, but I'm going to try again. So I tried again the following year and it, it, I did like six weeks before another crash and another the whole thing happened all over again. So I just went, listen, I can't do this. But I, I didn't say that to anybody other than myself. So in the end, my mum had to call the school no like way. I was a child and say, listen, he's not well. He he want, he needs to leave. And in the end, I had to just send off a couple of emails. Was this the work or university at the time? Work. Right. And at the same time, I took a year out of uni. I went, I can't do any of this shit, basically. Yeah. Um, and that was the worst summer I've ever had. Um, it was awful. I remember for most of it, I was kind of just out of it, not really doing anything and just miserable. 
um and my late night driving which i still do now every now and then just because i enjoy it is like every night i would be driving around between 2 and 4 a.m listening to music i don't i, don't, I couldn't i couldn't go to sleep. sleep and i didn't want to just be in my room um <laughs> and then i had a week of what i then became known as well the doctor told me was agitated depression i don't know why it happened one day one monday morning i woke up and i was like it's 7 a.m I've got, I've got i need to do stuff so i got out of my bed i went into our garage our garage that we have which was a, a mess a nightmare a decade's worth of just shit from our family just dumped in there in a week one week i cleared out the whole thing organized everything built a home gym in there cleaned our deck which hadn't been cleaned in a decade polished it varnished it everything Sp- um what's it called jet washed jet washed like the pe- the patio pavementy bits so you became a bitch that's really good <laughs> like i i cleaned up the ho- a week and i was i was doing it from 6am to 7pm every day that's i mad. barely stopped to eat and i remember thinking during it i think my family first of all were like oh thank fuck he's doing stuff like he's not just in his room maybe he's feeling a bit better but then they became a bit concerned and they were like is everything all right and i was like yeah it's fine (laughs) i'm I'm good i'm happy i'm doing stuff and i remember once i kind of finished and i sat this is a vivid memory i sat we've got like a big chest freezer outside in the garage like that's it's, it's massive and there's like a wall behind it and i sat on it and i remember thinking I can't, I can't stop. My brain is not stopping. And I was like crying and angry and just like, shut up. I was like talking to myself. I had this little moment. And I remember I was banging my head. I didn't even, I was banging my head against the wall. Like, shush. <laughs> and it didn't help. Um, In the end, like it, I kind of subsided and I just, I went to see a doctor. And I said, I've had this really mad week. <laughs> and she said I think it's possible after I had described everything else that had happened to me she was like I think it's possible that you might have a generalised anxiety disorder and depression I was like I think you're right <laughs> <laughs> and she put me on some medication and said come back to me and I think it was two months and see if it's helped I, I went back after five weeks because the medication she gave me made me feel really weird and worse. I remember that. So then she put me on something else and I was like, oh shit, this is a different level of like good stuff. This works. <laughs> um, and that was like one of the main um, things that got me back. What, the medicine? It was incredible. The medicine. And then she said, I, I've got a therapist in mind for you. Um, it's all kind of merged I don't know how accurate this chronology is it's just I find it so interesting because we both have such different experiences and such different kinds of anxiety and depression and both are just as you know real Mm. to us as an individual but I don't feel like you'd be able to get mine I don't feel like I can properly get yours yeah and I think that's the case with so many people is that there's so many different types of anxiety, so many types of, de- of depression. It's so hard to pinpoint. It's so hard to kind of fix it. So um, I think the best best thing to kind of do is just to find generalized things that make it easier. 
mm. because there's not going to be um, there's not going to be one like fix. I know you said the medication helped a lot, um, but I mean I know as well other things also helped a lot. Um, so I don't think there's ever one one thing to fix all types of anxiety and depression. I mean for me, I never took any medication. Um, I went to three therapists, um, none of which I clicked with. Um, and for me, what I, I don't want to say fixed me, but <laughs> for what made it easier was when I decided to go on this year abroad that I wasn't going to go on. I had no plans to go on it. Mm. And the day before it started, like the program started, I uh, I said, okay, I'm going to try. And I called and I got in and I went for six months and I came back every couple of weeks, but I went for six months and I realized like, okay, if I can do this, then I can kind of do anything. Like this was the hardest thing for me to do in my entire life at the time. And if I can do that, then I can, I can, I can get, I get through anything. And there's still moments of like, I want to say like relapse in a way, like a mm. anxiety or, or, or panic attack relapse um, where I could be traveling or I could be just sitting at home and I could just be, you know, thinking, it's it's it happens when I'm I'm deep in my own thoughts. Yeah. Because for some reason, whenever I'm deep in my own thoughts, it always ends negative. Always. Yeah. Like it's never just like, oh, you know, that was such a good day. Because it'll be like, oh, it was such a good day. But then that happened, and then this happened. I guess it wasn't a good day. <laughs> Shit, this was the worst day of my life. And then it kind of it, it, so it's it spiral quick. Yeah, it spirals quickly. But I've never had. Um, I don't think I've ever had it on such a drastic level, like you've had it. I mean. For example, your summer, right? Your worst summer, all of that kind of stuff. For me, I found every summer difficult. Mm. Um, on a on a on a less on, on not as a strong not as such a strong uh, basis, but like for example, all my friends would be away, and I would be there on my own. And when you're on your own, what do you do? You think. Um, so, for example, for me, I found every summer really, really, really hard, and like I never left my room, that kind of stuff. But I never, I don't think I ever had it like that. I don't know. It's so hard. It's an interesting one because you're trying to say I never had it as bad as you. But like, I never had it as bad as you. It's really you know? weird, isn't like, it? Because it's not the same. No one person's anxiety or depression or or is identical to another. Can't be compared, right? I can recognize a lot of the stuff you're talking about. And when I've spoken to other friends or people I know or even kids, it's like, I recognize these things because they're similar. Like, you can do a test online to see if you've got depression, right? Because a lot of the stuff is quite similar. But specifically how it affects you is the difference yeah yeah, um, yeah exactly so for example i still have social anxiety for example hanging out with five friends who i like no issue going to a football stadium with sixty thousand people no issue speaking in front of a crowd of 150 200 300 400 500 people not a problem going to a work thing or a businessy type thing with 30 people fine because there's a purpose to it just going to an event with 30 people who i kind of know hell absolute hell still now i remember a friend's wedding when you said this is really difficult i hate it yeah i remember that it's and uh, there was one recently which i will go because i love the people and i know and i recognize part of the ways one of the things that's happened to me as i've got better is i recognize I can do an evening of it or a night or a day because it matters to the other person or it matters that I'm just there, right? So I don't <laughs> mean this, don't mean this in a bad way, but you had a thing recently. Yeah. I 
love you very much. <laughs> and I really want to be there in those moments in my friends' lives. I hate those things so much. There's 40 of us. I kind of know everyone, kind of don't know everyone. You know, I hate them, man. I, I got They're that. They're the worst. There was someone else there who was thinking the exact same thing as you. I believe you. And no, no, no. Was you? Know, you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so you know him, and, and actually, you, you could actually do quite well talking to him he has the exact same way of thinking in terms of social situations he was bullied heavily in school i can guarantee you he the person he was sitting next to they were both there because i knew they were good friends Mm. right um and they would have each other in a way but i knew full well this is not his scene yeah um and it's just very interesting because i know he also had um kind of anxiety in a way but never spoke about it. Never, he didn't even, I don't even think to this day he's ever told me. I just recognize the symptoms because I've had it. Um, it's kind of like you have this radar where you kind of know other people are going through it. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, but that's the thing. We, we both, we both dealt with it so differently. Like I dealt with it by doing it and getting over it. But then because I did it that way, and I think you actually did it in a bit of a better way because, because I, I, I did it figuring it out myself i didn't learn how to deal with it which is why i still randomly suffer from it now like is it as bad now as it was then it's never as bad now as it was then no because one because i'm married um which um for me it's someone that i can always talk to about anything um if i am feeling sad i'll tell them and i do but no it's it's that is a a massive difference and also that's that, that, that that squash one of my biggest fears of I know, providing I don't do anything to screw anything up, <laughs> there's no reason for me to be alone. Buy another Tesla, see how that works. <laughs> yeah. um, and whenever I'm alone, it's out of choice and it's just, I want some alone time. Yeah. But if I ever don't want alone time, I've always got someone to speak to. And, and, and even if you're not married, right, even if you don't have that one person, we've always got you know family, a, a sibling or a friend, right? Or amazingly... I spent a lot of time on Reddit, our depression. Interesting. Now, I would not recommend to anybody going through some stuff to go on there for one reason is that I'm not convinced the stories are true and they're quite extreme. I never felt much better after going on it. But sometimes I did. Sometimes I did because it made me feel like, oh, thank God someone else feels that way. Um, oh. So the internet forums are potentially a good place as long as you are kind of aware that some people could be making it up and you're going to to read about things that are going to make you upset as long as you're kind of but my feeling was at the time was like i can't be much more upset than this upset is not the right i can't get more depressed the answer was yes you can (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's like in order to fix it and i don't think it's possible to fix it I've had a good therapist now for about 18 months. What number is this? Four. Five. This Five. is your fifth therapist. Fifth therapist. <laughs> number one was the guy in school who was an idiot. Okay. Number two was the guy in Israel who was great, but was in Israel and I left and that was the end. Okay. And it also wasn't like a, I got like six sessions with him just to see if I could fix myself okay. in those six weeks, which you can't. Um, the third one was a university one which they always seem to be institution like 
a because that's where I am. Like, I don't know where else to go. Okay. Like, and that <laughs> I don't I shouldn't even count him because I I met him and we had one like forty minute intro thing and I was like, okay, he's interesting. Let's see how this. I went to the second one the next week, and his first question was, "Have you ever been sexually abused?" I was like, "What?" Because I think a lot of your issues are down to sexual abuse and sexual issues. I said, "I don't, I don't think so." And he went, "No, I do." I said, "Okay." So we spent about forty minutes exploring my sexual <laughs> issues, which I was like, "Fuck, this, I don't have." You know, this is not it. <laughs> there might be lots of things going on with me, but this isn't one of them. And I just went, "Thanks." And left and never went to see him again. So maybe I shouldn't count him. Fourth one was interesting. She was amazing. Genuinely fantastic. I was in such a bad place and making so many bad choices from silly reasons and bad from a bad place. And she taught me, she did CBT with me, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I learned the ability from her to catch my thoughts when they were happening. And th- she taught me this thing, which was whatever you're feeling anxiety wise this person is going to feel this way about this situation write it down but write on the other side of the piece of paper the alternative no they're actually my friend they probably like me or that's really clever it's wild it blew my mind so So i did it i used to sit down like once a day whenever i wasn't when i could feel anxious i went write down what's making me anxious write an alternative and it it was like holy shit i can think a different way to how i'm thinking now it was amazing. That is so interesting. And like, I think that therapy fixed, fixed, and I want to use that word, it fixed that part of my brain that jumped to the worst possible, worst case scenario. And it made me just think, well, maybe not. And I did it enough and I stopped thinking like the worst case scenario. I just stopped doing it. It's practice. What happened was I feel like I kind of outgrew it and I wanted to dig a bit deeper. Um, and this person was like a, she wasn't a family friend of mine, but she was a good friend of my mum. And I have total faith that they would never discuss it. Um, she's a f- phenomenal therapist and psychologist and uh, brilliant. But I just felt I wanted someone who could, who w- had no connection to anyone I knew. Um, and also I was making the decision at the time to leave university, which was a mental health driven decision. I, I, I took a year out. I went back. And I thought, I'm a lot better now than I was. This isn't for me anymore. I don't want to do this. That's fair. So I didn't. And that was a big decision for for people and lots of, you know, like I'd gone through years of depression and people worrying about me, friends, family. And then I decide I'm going to leave university. But like, oh, shit, this is a this is a bad decision because in theory, it could have been. It's worked out. I said it was a great choice. Yeah. (laughs) I think I was the only one that said that. (laughs) So we had a bit of an argument, me and my therapist, about it. And I just felt afterwards like it has to be my choice, not not theirs. Um, So I I never went back. I feel quite bad. You never went back to the therapist? Never went back to that one, no. That was your fourth or your fifth? Fourth. Okay. And then I went to a different one and he and I have been together for 18 months. And Nice. We've been been together, <laughs> which <laughs> so I guess we are, in a way. Um, <laughs> and he's been incredible in helping me understand where all of it might have come from. And even though we've been together for eighteen months, it's only the last few months that I've talked about the things that went on in school and relationships I've been in, and 
was like, I'm still unraveling stuff as yeah. we go through. It's wild. It's mad. That's very cool. I, I do think therapists can help if you find the right one. Uh, you've just got to be lucky. you got to be the right you, one. It's luck and you've got to just be patient. Like, initially, my thought was, they're a therapist. They're supposed to fix me, right? This is how it works. I guess I have to do some effort, but I didn't think... I didn't think there was a two-way thing going on. Like, I was also testing them. Like, they had to work for me, not the other way around. Um, So... But no, all of this is going to be self-driven. The only person in the day that can fix you is you. No matter what therapist you have, if True. you don't want to be fixed, you won't get fixed. Yeah. Um, you can have the best therapist in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it was totally different. I had three. Mm. My first one, my mom sat in the room with me at the time. That was the worst experience of my <laughs> life. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. And How old were you? This was my first one. I was young. Like uh, eight, nine? No, I... T- it's hard to say because I don't remember if it was primary school, if it was just out of primary school. I can't remember. It might have just been out of primary school. Uh, but that was just the first session that she sat in with me and then she didn't anymore. But this woman was awful because I must have been a bit old. I must have been like 12 or 11 because this, I remember this woman treating me like a child. Mm. Like, I mean, I have, I have now realized it was child therapy. Um, but like I was being treated like a complete baby and um, I hated every minute of it. And then the next one I went to, I have absolutely no recollection. I just <laughs> know there was a second just one. Just know there was another but one. But I've blocked, blocked it completely out of my mind. And the third one um, was a different kind of therapy. It was hypnotherapy, which is really interesting. Wild. My sister recommended it because she also went to this person. She went through a similar kind of thing. And literally, you're sitting in a room and he's like, okay, I'm going to put you to sleep. Right? It's one of these kind of things. And I was like this shit does not work mate <laughs> he's like all right you're now asleep i'm thinking in my head no i ain't <laughs> i'm wide awake <laughs> thinking about what food to get after. <laughs> and he's talking he's talking and meanwhile my eyes are closed because he's told me to close them and he thinks i'm asleep and he's like okay now wake up and i'm like all right fine i close my eyes now and he's like oh brilliant it worked he's like, no it didn't <laughs> it's like i was awake the entire time That's um funny. i went to him three times i think therapy works i do not think that um, on me anyways yeah i was about to say like there are stories about it working. I don't think it would work on me personally either. I think you have to be very susceptible to... Suggestible, as Darren Brown would say. Suggest- interesting. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you really have to be very... You have to be, you have to be very into being just taken over in a way. And yeah. like, it's just, not your just letting loose. <laughs> but for, from someone who suffers an anxiety where they overthink, mm. they are never going to do hypnotherapy. Like... Yeah, I don't... I mean, I have no idea. I don't know. I guess in some ways it would be nice to be taken over to, to have someone take all of that away but it's not for you i just it wasn't that i just I, I i couldn't it didn't work in the sense that i was always thinking and that was one of my biggest anxieties overthinking mm. stuff i overthink yeah. i still overthink <laughs> everything um even little things that aren't important or just a day-to-day work making a youtube video whatever it is everything's overthought and this is where it's it's kind of like when i said it hasn't necessarily completely gone in this in the sense that like i make a video now and i'll overthink every aspect including the negative sides and you know if it doesn't get views why what did i do wrong do people hate me people not stand like all these things it just and then it goes into a spiral nowadays my anxiety stems from overthinking um i don't get the homesickness stuff anymore and nothing like that literally it's just overthinking and what's scary is when i do overthink if i don't share my thoughts with someone that will, I know, inevitably lead 
into another spiral of some form of depression, which is why I personally think, and everyone who's listening, most anxiety, I think, is a form of overthinking, mm. um, of just thoughts blowing up in your mind to proportions that would never happen in real life. And the only way to diffuse it is to literally open your mouth and let the words come out because as the words are coming out, they're leaving your brain. As soon as you say something, you're not going to be thinking it anymore because you've now said it. Um, so I, re- I, I genuinely think it's kind of like, imagine an illustration of a guy's head getting bigger and the only way for it to get smaller is if he opens his mouth and lets the air out, yeah. right? So for me, the only way, and, and I remember in um, when, we went, when we went on our trip, I don't know if you came with us. Did you come with us when we went on the Yeshiva trip to, to go and visit schools? No, I had already decided. Right. So when we went on this trip, this was the first time, I think one of the first times I went away properly. And I remember Friday evening, there was a whole bunch of rocket attacks. It was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember remember the story. Midst of the war. It was horrible. Uh, Funnily enough, um, the head of the program, you know, called everyone into the room, all the people visiting, all the people in the in the school. He's like, if every anyone has any 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 anxiety about what's going on right now, you know, please come speak to me. And all I can think of in my head is, I've got plenty of anxiety. <laughs> it got nothing to do with what's going on. Um, but I remember on Friday, just before uh, like sunset. I called my sister because she's the only one who'd been through something similar and I completely broke down. I was like, I don't know mm. what to do. You know, talk to me, like walk me through this. What should I do? Um, I honestly thought I was going to die. Like I, I I thought I was going to just like die from the inside in a way. I That in, that night I didn't sleep. I uh, It was actually kind of crazy. I'd never done this before, but I lay in bed and, and usually what happens with when I had my anxiety is I would lie in bed and not be able to fall asleep for like, a couple of hours, like five hours, four hours, something like that. I went to bed at something like 8 p.m. 8 a.m. The next day, I am still lying awake. Oh. Can you imagine 12 hours in your own thoughts in pitch black silence? And um, everyone yes. g- everyone gets, yeah, exactly. <laughs> everyone gets up and goes to breakfast, you know, to eat, whatever. And they're like, oh, you're right. You want to come? Because they thought, oh, you're sleeping. You're not going to come. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm shattered. I'm shattered. I need to sleep. They're like, what? I was like, yeah, I haven't slept. And so they went. 12 o'clock, I still hadn't slept, lying there. Right, I get up eventually, sit outside, read a magazine. And they come back like, are you okay? Um, I speak to one of my friends who kind of knows. I was like, no, honestly, I feel terrible. Um, I, I felt so bad. And that night I came, we left. Um, I don't remember where we went. Yeah, we left. We stayed somewhere else. Um, I slept. But I didn't like, necessarily sleep. I collapsed. Like I, I literally, it was easily 24 hours of just thinking Oof. on my own. It was horrible. Um, but like I said, I really do think the best way out of it and is to is to talk. And it's just finding someone to talk to, no matter who it is. And you have to understand, whoever it is you talk to, if they said, you know, you're weird, this is this is weird, why are you talking to me? Those people would not be your friend no. they are not they are not someone you want in your life anyway and this is quite a good way to find that out um most people i would say would respond in a very kind understanding listening manner and you have to get it out of your head the fear of their reaction because 9.9 times out of 10 their reaction is going to be really soothing comforting yeah um and really positive yeah I'd also say like be kind to yourself about it like 
<laughs> the first person I told, once I'd been officially diagnosed by a doctor, the first person I told was my boxing coach. And I don't know why I had known him for th- four weeks. Like I'm, I'm a reasonably good judge of character, so I didn't think he'd be an asshole about it. And he wasn't, obviously. Um, but as soon as I told him, I was like, all right, I've got a wide circle of people I could potentially tell this to. I'm going to start on the outside and go in. So the last person I told was my dad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> because, um, whatever, my dad is my dad. <laughs> and I, I never need, told my dad either. I needed him to be able to go to my mum and say, Josh has told me this, you know, and so she could explain it to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I went from, like, my boxing coach to, like, some other people I know to, like, some of my friends to my siblings. And then even then there was, like, a little circle of who I told when, etc. Um <laughs> I remember I told one of my siblings and he just went, yeah, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean, obviously? He goes, it's it's obvious. Of course you're going through something. Thank God you're finally dealing with it. Um, And then I told my mum and dad. And then it was really important to me that everybody I knew know, everybody I knew knew. So I wrote a blog and I put it out on Facebook and I got loads of messages. And that. that was my way of just like announcing to everybody, listen, I'm not crazy. I have this thing. That's so interesting. I mean, and I know I keep preaching, you know, talk to people, but I never told anyone. Yeah. I never told my parents. It's really hard. I never told my siblings. I never told my friends. Everyone knew I had anxiety. No one knew how, how, like, how much and Mm. the fact that it did lead to depression and it led to thoughts that I can't even imagine that I had those thoughts. Um, And those thoughts that just spiraled into really potential thoughts i just and i never i've never told my parents never told my, literally no one um and i still kind of haven't like i haven't even told lauren like i kind of just dealt with it myself mm. but like if i could go back and tell myself something i would say you know talk to someone yeah yeah there's there's also lots of anonymous places you can go. I was going to say, you've got a list, don't you? I mean, like the Calm Zone or Calm, I think it might be called now, is an amazing one. The Samaritans, Young Minds, a lot of these places, if you Google, who do I talk to about my mental health? If you can have the capacity, if you have the ability to do so. There's loads of people out there, websites and call centers you can call. I just, it just I have done it once or twice and just gone listen, I'm flipping struggling here. And they just go, yeah, go on, tell me about it. And I do. And they're like, oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> it's just nice someone to <laughs> and listen. It's just, and it's just like, oh. And th- this person is like, oh, they might tell me their name, but I don't give a shit. I just want to tell them offload. And like, it's also sometimes what happens a lot with teenagers is there'll be one person in the friend group and it was often me who's like the group therapist and everybody tells their problems to them and it's all great but that person takes it all on as well so like be be wary and talk to your friends and be like are you are you in a place now where you can talk about stuff don't just assume that your best mate wants to hear about all your problems they probably do but check with them first about when yeah sometimes like, just... i, I want to talk to you is is now a good time like or oh, when is a good time i've got quite heavy stuff i want to say and i want to yeah. make sure you have a mental capacity to listen yeah that's really important it's really 
really important especially for teenagers and maybe a uni people as well like check on your friends that they are ready <laughs> but then also check on your dump friends it on them but also check on your friends yeah, that they're that okay too. on yeah. the other side i mean if your friend says i'm not ready to talk to you there's a it's it's sad i mean there's, there's something going on in his life and you might want to say well you know i've got problems you seem to have problems let's talk to each other about our problems let's offload um but yeah check in with people because you never know what someone is going through you never know what they're thinking um so yeah reach out to someone anyone that you haven't spoken to in a long time and uh I know we always talk about Gary Vee on this channel, <laughs> um, but he made a TikTok a couple of weeks ago or days ago. I don't know how long ago it was, whenever you're seeing, listening to this. And he said, um, I challenge you to do one thing, um, message or call, not message, call someone on your contact list that you haven't spoken to in at least five years and have a conversation with them. And um, his, he got thousands of comments and these comments were so inspiring. Uh, it was so cool yeah so yeah i just want to that's an amazing thing to do and i i just i was smiling then because i know i'm about to do it in the next couple of days i'll tell you after it is you'll laugh um there's so much more i want to say but likewise it's potential that might be a good place to leave it is um thank goodness i'm doing pretty well yeah i was um, gonna say how are you do how are you doing <laughs> my friend i'm doing well actually really good I have I have mostly good days. When I have a bad day, I just roll with the punches. I take it and I go, this is a bad day. I had one this week and I went, this is just a shit show of a day. I'm chilling out this evening and tomorrow I'll start again. And I did and it was fine. Right. That's How good. about you? You yeah. all right? Same, same, same. <laughs> uh, most days are really good. But like you said, every so often you have an overly bad day or an overly bad couple of hours, which kind you have a bad couple of hours it kind of takes over your day in a way um but sp yeah like you said they end you go to sleep you wake up the next morning hopefully feeling fresh if it continues the next morning then you know hmm, okay you know what i'm gonna just tell someone about my bad day and kind of speak about it but i'm i'm doing good everyone has bad days everyone has good days good and how are you feeling about because i've written about this and enough people know about it you've never done anything publicly no how are you feeling about this episode going out i'm hoping this is one of the last episodes on the season <laughs> none of our friends are listening anymore um you know to be honest i haven't said half of the stuff that i probably would have been freaked out about saying hmm. so um i'm happy about that next one next one no, no. <laughs> um i think it's important and I can't think of it selfishly. Like, if people find out, that's absolutely fine because it's more important that everyone else could understand how important it is to talk about it and that, and to normalize it. So, um, and that's one thing I loved about your post is you normalized it for me. You mm. you made me realize that it that must have been so hard for you to write, but by you writing that, everyone that read it, if they were ever going through anything, you just made them feel so much better. Um, yeah. like I really connected with what you wrote. Um, I really, really liked it. Cool. And uh, um, it's the same with this. Like, I really want this episode to go out and I want as many people, even my friends, to listen to it because mm. some of my friends might be suffering from something and I want them to know if they are, then they can come and talk to me and we can have a yeah. conversation. And and if this, if listening to us talk about it makes you reach out to someone or talk to someone else or get on the start of your journey of feeling better, 
than we've done more than enough. We've made that, that was our goal. So that's, that's what we're going Talk about it more. Um, tell our story. I think it's it's relevant to the rest of what we talk about. Um, and yeah. I and I want to say, I want to end, sorry yeah. for interrupting you. I want to end with, I don't know if there's a comment section down below <laughs> or I don't know what platform you listen to this on, but if there is, leave a comment down below. Um, and you know, tell us if you've had any any kind of issues. Let's let's start a dialogue. I want to start something which I've seen on another podcast where they encourage the audience to write just checking in. I like that. It's sick. It's so nice because like the comment section is just loads of people going, yeah, just checking in. Been a good day. Just checking in. Yeah. So right, just checking in in the comments below. We're gonna steal it, and I'm sure they won't mind. Um, I might even message them once it goes out and say, sorry, we stole your thing, but I think it's wicked. Um, yeah so thank you for listening to another episode of young dumb and broke shimmy it was a pleasure Likewise. very interesting thought-provoking inspiring episode of this episode <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening guys i'll see you soon see you